This is a Capricorn FM podcast. Uh, we're talking to Peter from Saya this evening. Good evening, Peter. Uh, good evening, Gamula, and thank you for having us. Good evening. Is it Nkuna or Nkuma? Nkuna. Sorry? It's Nkuna. It's Nkuna. The Shitsonga Nkuna. Um, my understanding of Shitsonga is very, very, very <laughs> Okay, no, that's fine. <laughs> let's, 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 no, it's okay, as long as I get it right, because I'm wondering if I'm reading what I'm getting here. Okay, no, that, that's okay. Good to have you with us, and uh, we will be engaging as always. So, of course, as always, as you know, during this time, we engage with um, our listeners. We give them an opportunity to ask, a, ask us questions that they may have, and they call us and engage with us, and we're giving away airtime at the end. End of of it all on the issues that will be discussed. So tonight, of course, we're talking about uh, uh, we're starting with what is the ombudsman for short term insurance. Should I go ahead? Yes, yes, sure. Okay, um, yeah. The, maybe I should start off with explaining what is short term insurance first, yes. and then yeah. uh, that will hopefully make a little bit uh, better sense for people. Mm. Um, by short term insurance, we are basically referring to all sorts of insurance policies that do not fall under what is considered long term insurance, or otherwise also known as life insurance and by that we're referring to things like motor insurance um, insurance for your house your home um, the contents in the house your furniture tvs and things like that your insurance for your cell phone uh, your travel insurance um, credit insurance credit life when you buy a tv at um, a store where you are paying monthly uh, usually they will say you must take up insurance for whatever may happen to that TV mm. while you're still paying for it. That will also be something that comes um, our way when we have complaints. And um, the Ombudsman is basically um, an institution or a forum at which um, disputes that involve short-term insurance are get to be resolved between the insured and their own insurance company. So only people that have a policy with an insurance company would be able to register a complaint against that company mm. where our office is concerned, and then we will resolve those disputes. Okay. And talking about those disputes, then what kind of complaints uh, do you deal with? Um, most of the complaints that come to us will tend to be related to claims um next therein you will also find a lot of services related complaints but unfortunately um our jurisdiction or our authority uh, does not extend over uh, service pure service related complaints in that um the main function of our office is to make sure that as a consumer you get some sort of financial benefit and therefore if you're going to be complaining for example about having left a message at 10 o'clock and then somebody promising you to call you by half past 10 and they didn't um, that is not the sort of complaint that um, would come to our office or that we would be able to assist you with it is more where there are financial implications that will be able to assist um, a lot of the complaints will also relate to um, firstly, where the insurance company refuses completely 
to pay out the claim where you believe that you've got a valid claim. And we will then investigate that and see if the insurance company is correct or not. And then obviously the, the outcome will depend on that. Um, another example that is really common is where um, the dispute relates to the amount of um, the claim. Mm. In other words, you expected to receive 10,000 rent and the insurance companies uh, may be giving you only five. And you believe they are cheating you out of the other five that they are not paying. And we will then investigate that as well and see if the offer that the insurance company is making to what the settlement of your claim is correct or not. And then um, the outcome will come out uh, accordingly. Okay. And and um, what authority then does the OSTI have in making decisions on complaints? Well, our, our authority, like I've hinted, is that we will only be able to assist where there is some sort of financial implication in the dispute. And um, once we have adjudicated um, on a dispute, the the decision will be binding on the consumer. Uh, sorry, not on the consumer. Will be binding on the insurance company, but not mm-hmm. on the consumer. Mm-hmm. And and that way, um, if the consumer, after the whole process, is not quite happy with the outcome, yes. um, they could still pursue the matter further elsewhere, like going to court, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But if our decision is that the insurance company must pay. Uh, the insurance company has no option but to obey that and then settle accordingly. Mm. And, and what processes are there that the policyholder need to follow when they have a complaint? Look, um, at the moment, uh, and due to the COVID-19 pandemic and the lockdown, we have not been operating from the office. Um, like, as we speak now, I'm in my office, but this is at home. Mm. Um and, and the, the whole company is operating that way. So we, we are still processing complaints, operating as normally as possible, um, but remotely. And um, the process that you will follow is you can visit our website and you can lodge a complaint online. Um, and then it will basically run you through the process. Uh, alternatively, those that may not be able to have access that way, um, you can give us a call. We have people that will uh, capture the complaint for you online and uh, also give you information as to as to how the process will run. And yeah, I, I think most of it you'll sort of uh, get exposed to in the process as to what happens. But um, basically, once you've left the complaint, mm. Uh, we would then send the complaint through to the insurance company so that it knows there is a complaint, mm-hmm. and they are allowed up to four, uh, sorry, up to 21 days for the first response um, to give us information regarding the complaint to say this is what happened, this is what we did, this is why we did that, um, and once we've got that, we will send it through to the complainant for um, their response. Um, but depending on what the the answer comes back as, sometimes um, once we have received the insurance company's answer, it can be very clear that um, the matter can be easily resolved. For example, if um, the complaint is about a, a claim that has not been paid and 
the reason is that the co- consumer has not paid a premium mm. and they give us all of that detail. This is the date when it was supposed to be paid. It was not paid. And then the accident or whatever the claim was happened on this day, which means that in that period there was no cover um, and all the evidence is clear there. We will then make a, a decision on that on that complaint immediately but that decision is not final in that um, sometimes what you find is um, a matter might appear to be fairly simple and straightforward upon receiving the insurance company's response but when we send it to the complainant they come back with another dimension to the dispute that may have not been there before mm-hmm. and it can still change the outcome and therefore that decision at that stage would only be preliminary and then if the insured comes back with something else um, further investigations may be necessary and then a, a final decision only takes place at a later stage but um, that that's roughly how the process will start in the initial stages and depending on how much additional information is required or received between the parties. Um, we could exchange a number of um, communiques between the two parties. And only once we are in a position where we think we have canvassed all the issues and we've got all the uh, information and evidence, we will then uh, consider the merits of the matter and make a decision as to which party should succeed. Okay, and what is the time frame there after having lodged the complaint for you to give feedback? Yes, um, like I said, indirectly, I think it's a bit difficult to give specific time frames because indirectly um, you've got to contend with the fact that the insurance company um, may respond faster and or slower, and depending on the responsiveness of the insurance company, it may be shorter or, or longer. The same thing applies with regards to the complainant. Um, if they are more efficient or, or, or more responsive, that would mean that you have a better chance of resolving the dispute in a shorter period. But the initial stages, as I said, um, the first uh, period is up to 21 days for the insurance company to give its first answer and then um, once we've got that um, it will depend basically on all these other things like the complexity of the matter um, how much information has been made available, what was the quality of the insurance company's uh, response to the complaint and also what it is that the insured then or the complainant then raises in in reply to that first answer. All of those things will determine uh, the time frames that you've got. But on a rough basis, um, the cycles are scheduled to be roughly seven days, 14 days, um, depending on the the content of what is required from the parties at a time. So um, if your matter is being run properly, Every seven or fourteen days, you should probably be be receiving some sort of communicate to say um, this has been the development. Mm. If you need to comment then or provide additional information or evidence, then you can do that. And then once you've got that, um, once it has been processed, once you've received it, um, it will then be forwarded to the other party for them to provide whatever additional information that may be required from that side. And so and so on, it, it will go until you get to a, a point where we say um, it 
it looks like all the issues have been canvassed, all the evidence has been collected. Mm. What then remains is just for uh, someone to, to sit down, go through it all and make a decision. And that is what will then follow from there. And after receiving a complaint and I receive a call from the insurance company wanting to negotiate, do I talk to them or wait for instruction from your office? Um, our, our advice is generally that um, a lot of times if, if things are being done above board, um, we would be aware that the insurance company wants to enter into negotiations. And in that regard, we would even be the first people to warn you to say, look, um, expect a call from the insurance company because they want to either investigate or negotiate or etc. etc. But we are also aware that there have been instances where um, in order to bypass the system for whatever reason, sometimes the insurance companies would go to you as the complainant and say, look, um, we know you're complaining. We would like to help you withdraw your complaint first and then we will assist you. And and what tends to then also happen is if you do that, um, you could end up compromising yourself because um, you are now standing there by yourself. You don't have us as your backup to guide you through the process of um, checking whether you have a valid claim or not, how far you can negotiate because it, the negotiations could be to your own detriment. In, 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 in a way of example, you could find that maybe you're entitled to a full settlement, uh, but they know because you don't know what um, your rights extend, to what extent your, your rights go, mm. you could then find somebody wanting to take advantage of that. But if we are there in the background, what, what happens then is that um, you could always say, okay, I hear what you're saying, let me sit on it and think about it. And then you come back to the ombudsman and say, look, this is what um, the insurance company is saying to me. Um, what are your thoughts on it? And then we can sort of guide you in, in that regard. And therefore, my, my general um, advice would be um, if you are getting that direct communication, particularly where it wants to, you are being required to withdraw a complaint, uh, rather not do that because, in fact, what tends to happen is people withdraw mm. and then much later mm-hmm. um, they have to come back to say, look, um, I withdrew this thing at that stage because they were promising me heaven and earth, but I see we are not getting there. And, and by then you have lost out on a lot of time that could have been used to do an investigation, gather facts and evidence so that the matter can be resolved sooner rather than later. So you're going to end up with the investigation only starting much later. And and that is why um, it's best to rather, even if you want to do the negotiation, you can just tell us, look, they want to talk, um, hang in there, uh, don't do anything. I'll talk to them and we see how that goes. And um, we will also be um, communicating with you in terms of uh, providing guidance as and when you require that.
All right, and we're still having this conversation on Progressive Talk. To be part of it, you can call us on 087-288-9697 or WhatsApp us on 082-654-2446. You can leave a text there or a voice note and we'll be able to engage on the issues that you may want clarity on or to raise with us. But we're still talking here on Progressive Talk. Right, we're still having this conversation and you can be part of it as we indicate daily, of course, this opportunity to win airtime at the end of it. But how does one, or rather, how does the ombudsman uh, resolve complaints or disputes? Um, yes, we, we've touched on that one as well already. Um, we, we can only investigate um, via correspondence and also using records. So um, what will basically happen is once you've um, put in your complaint, the insurance company will respond um, in writing, providing whatever documents in support of its stance. Um, sometimes there will also be uh, recordings like your, your telephone conversations that are recorded with um, insurance companies. Sometimes there may be videos and photographs that are required as part of the evidence, and we will collate all of that information. And, and as I said, once we've got all the information that speaks to the issues in dispute, um, we would then sit down, go through it all, and make a, a determination as to which direction the, the outcome should go. Um, and, and in that regard, perhaps I can move on to the, the possible uh, outcomes that, that one okay. can face. We'll talk about the possible outcomes when we continue. Let's take a call and a question from Victor. I, Victor... Oh, okay. Uh, there, 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 there. Let me see our sort. Of, okay, let's go to possible. I'm unable to quickly fit in Victor there. Let's go to possible outcomes then. I'll see what we can do with Victor there. Yeah. Um, in, in, in short, your, your outcomes are generally, I'll, I'll group them into three uh, because these are essentially the, the, the outcomes you'll be facing. The first one is that your complaint is a successful one or mainly successful one, because sometimes you could have multiple issues and find that some of those issues you are not successful in, but um, in in the main, you could consider the outcome to be a favorable one. Let's say for argument's sake, it's a motor vehicle accident claim that was um, declined by the insurance company. You came, we investigated it, and we found that the claim must be paid. Um, you could also find that attached to that, there was an issue around costs of towing and storage of the, the wreck of the car after the accident, which you also claimed from the insurance company. And you might find that with regards to that particular aspect, you are not necessarily successful. Maybe you're only partially successful or not uh, uh, successful at all. So, but in the main, you would still say the biggest thing that I wanted was that my 500000 car claim was paid in full and you'd be happy with that. Um, the next one would be where it is unsuccessful and it can be unsuccessful in various ways. Um, one would be where the totality of evidence points to an outcome that suggests that you don't have a valid claim. Um, and, and also considering that this is a legal dispute and 
um, it is based on the principle that he who claims or he who alleges must prove, um, you as the complainant would bear the onus of proving that you have a valid claim or a valid complaint. And if you are unable to discharge that burden, um, that would then mean that you cannot succeed with, with your complaint or a claim. And sometimes it's just that you, you are not able to prove that. And I'll give you an example. Um, usually when it comes to claims for damage to houses, um, let's say there was a storm and you wanted to put in a claim for the damage to your house. Um, sometimes you'd find that um, when the insurance company does an investigation, it is found that there were maintenance issues on your roof. So you were not maintaining your roof. And the reason why the roof leaked and ended up with your ceiling getting damaged and the walls and the furniture inside was because of the roof that was not maintained and that is not covered in terms of your policy. So in an instance like that, um, if you are not able to prove that um, the, the reason why the insurance company is not paying um, being that you are not maintaining your roof is false, or that perhaps you were in fact maintaining your roof, but um, there, there was something strange about this rain, perhaps it was accompanied by wind that blew water through uh, the cracks or the openings in, in between uh, your tiles, um, you would still not succeed with that kind of a claim. And, and, and then the last one would be where we find that based on the available information and evidence, mm. it is not possible to make a decision. Um, and I will remind you in this regard that um, we are investigating mm. from a limited uh, perspective in that okay. we can only work on documents yeah. Um, records and things like that. So some I'm of just, the things... You, yeah. I'm just going to quickly t- take a break and we'll come and continue from that point. Right, we're continuing here on Progressive Talk and, and we're talking. Maybe, yeah, if if uh, there, there was something you were still saying on that point, uh, we can continue from it. Yes, uh, I was saying that the third outcome, uh, possible outcome is where having weighed all the evidence and considered all the information submitted by the parties uh, to the dispute, it is not possible to make a decision one way or the other, and Mm. mainly based on the limited context in which the investigations are are conducted, Mm. um, in that documents and records, et cetera, et cetera. And there are instances where, for example, you could find that... um, the insured version is that there is a valid claim mm. and the insured um, or, or complainant has produced evidence in the form of a, an expert report that says um, the reason why the car broke down was yes. because of this, that and the other. And that thing falls within the, the terms and conditions of cover, okay. which means that the insured has a valid claim. And then the insurance company, on the other hand, has its own expert that provides information to the contrary. And you then have to sit with um, the experts and cross-examine them and make sure you understand their reasoning as to how they concluded that which they did Mm. and only make a determination after that. And because we can't uh, engage in the cross-examination of witnesses, 
um, in that instance, the matter would be referred to for further um, um, investigation through the court system. Okay, and, we've uh, got... Um, resolution that way. We've got Victor on the line. Let's try and see if we can take him and get his question. Victor, good evening. Hi, Ngamla. How are you? Very good. Yourself? Great, man. Thank yeah. you. Uh, you know, yes, I just need to check something with the ombudsman. Okay. Uh, I once, I once had a claim uh, with uh, with an insurance. Uh, you know, I bought in particular it was uh, XC60 Volvo uh, R design. You know, it comes with a package with med wheels and you know with all this fancy stuff. And uh, <clears throat> when uh, when it was written off, the claim was actually paid about. 80% of the money, mm. and then the, the other percentage was supposed to be paid by the uh, shortfall insurance. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the shortfall insurance, I declined my claim because they were alleging that uh, the main insurance could not pay, you know, 80% as they were supposed to. And when I approached, you know, the main insurance, they said because the car, you know, came with extras and all sort of things. Okay. So I, I referred the matter to the ombudsman. And, uh, you know, the ombudsman couldn't actually assist me, assisted me. Uh, the, the, the whole thing was declined, and I, I had to pay the shortfall. So I, I just I just need to check with the ombudsman, what is their take on the, on, on the matter like this? Okay. All right. Thank you very much, uh, Victor. Um, Peter, I've got two more questions, so we've got three minutes to go. I will let me ask these here on there from the WhatsApp, and we'll see if we can fit them in. If we're not, uh, they can. We can forward them to you at a later stage. This says, "Hi, is Rachel from Lipalale? Can the insurance company decide to terminate my contract with them, even if I didn't claim or missed a payment? I think I was robbed because they just did that to me after paying for the whole three years." That is one. This says, uh, please ask the ombudsman if they do take complaints regarding safe custody. I have a gold in safe custody with a, um, with a shop. When I bought the coin, they said safe custody was free. Three years later, they want me to start paying for my safe custody. The problem, I would not have bought the coin if they say safe custody was not free. That is from Dave. Uh, okay, so Peter, are we, if, if we can quickly fit those in, how do we respond to those? Okay, um, let's start with the shortfall one, and it's a very good question. I'm, I'm glad that Victor raised it because that's where a lot of issues come up. Your, your shortfall policy generally has its own terms and conditions, and it's usually linked to your comprehensive policy. But you'll also find that there are certain things that would not be included in your shortfall calculation. Mm. Things like if you've got a balloon payment or residual payment, um, if you added things like, let's say, a maintenance uh, policy for polishing your car, if it's got scratches and dents, mm. which you can cancel at any time, that would also not be included. If you find that, for example, your uh, main policy, the comprehensive one, you loaded your access, mm. um, sometimes you'll find that the shortfall says we will only uh, work on the basis that your access is this amount, let's say 10,000. So if your excess was 20,000, you already have the 10,000 gap that mm-hmm. is also not going to be covered by your shortfall. So it's important that one must read the shortfall policy to see what of those things would be excluded. One very important thing which he touched on was extras. Mm-hmm. Ordinarily, when you've got um, non-standard features or extras or accessories on your car, 
um, you have to specify those on your comprehensive policy and pay an additional premium for them um, to be included should you suffer a loss at a subsequent stage. Mm. And therefore, when you claim those would be included, and if you don't do that, you're going to enjoy cover for a standard car. Let's say, for, for example, you've got a city golf. And then you've added a sound system in there, you've added an aircon, and you've got nice neck wheels. You need to specify all of those and give their values and have them specifically insured for them to be included in your payout should you claim. Okay. If you don't do that, they're going yeah. to pay you only on the standard city golf, mm. which will be lower, mm. and your shortfall is not necessarily going to cover those things because it's not meant for those things. Alright, Peter, unfortunately we've run out of time, so what we'll do, we'll send to you some of these questions uh, that our listeners ask that we're not able to get to and you can be able to respond to, to those. Uh, uh, but I appreciate your time. Good evening to you. No problem. Thank you. We hope it was helpful to the listeners. Thank you. Thank, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Of course, that uh, was Saia interview there. That was a Capricorn FM podcast. For more podcasts, visit capricornfm.co.za.